Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Welcome to this Tuesday edition, last day of the month of March, March 31st. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. Don't forget the C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395 for you to jump in and be a part of the conversation. C Spire and UMMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19 for a limited time, COVID-19 screenings are free through the C Spire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the disease. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. Good Tuesday afternoon, everybody. What's up, Borky? Not a whole lot. Just uh, accomplished a goal last night, and that's finishing Season 3 of Ozark. You knocked out the entire season in three days? I think it came out on Friday night. Okay, it was Friday night. I was thinking it was Saturday. Yeah, so we started it Friday night, you know, did two or three every day until last night. And I'm not even kidding. The final scene of the season, my wife and I sat there literally with our mouths open. We were so shocked and Hmm. sat there for probably 30, 45 seconds without saying anything to each other. I don't want to know anything about season three. I will not give three. any detail other than it was fan. It, it was just as good as the first two. Just, I just do, fantastic. I do have one question though. You know, when 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 you get to one of these online shows, you're not sure how long it's going to go. It doesn't end at season three, right? Absolutely not. Good. Good news. Hey, Dad. Happy Tuesday. What's up? Not a lot today. Not a lot. Uh, it's National uh, Takeout Day or something, so we're gonna we're gonna go carry out some food later tonight. Try to support some local businesses. There you go. I don't know where yet. Before you even ask, I don't know. You know, you know how it is. The wife will tell me, and I'll go pick it up. Yeah, I, I like. Or that. she will tell you she doesn't care, and then when you give a suggestion, suddenly it's not good enough. That's, that's yeah. not what you want. No, 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 that's not <laughs> it. See, with me, it's always the same. It's always going to be pizza. So if she wants to eat lost pizza tonight, we can do that. But. That's the only suggestion I'm probably going to come up with. There you go. What's the uh, what's your your kids favorite? What's their go to for pizza or for just if we're going no, to go out? No, no. If you say, "Hey, I'm going to pick up dinner tonight," where would be their spot? <sighs> probably the probably Mexican, probably Mi Hacienda. Mi Hacienda is Mi Hacienda doing carryout? Uh, I believe they are. I think almost everybody is, from what I can tell. Yeah, there certainly are a uh, are a lot of people uh, that are doing that. And it's kind of their only line of income right now. So it's a big deal and certainly good to uh, support those folks in your local community. Rippy, what's up on a Tuesday? Not really a whole lot. I uh, rediscovered the big break last night and watched one of the random seasons of that. Did you see Which Tommy thing? Ganey on there? No, I watched the Greenbrier episode from 2013. 
When did that start? Like late 90s. Kip Henley won the second season. That's where I got the inspiration. It was on Golf Channel. He won the big break two in Vegas and like it was still very baggy shirts and pants. So like it was it was nineties. And and they've gone through a bunch of different iterations of that. Like the initial one was just dudes that were trying to get to the tour. And looks like it's it always started... been the general gist of it, but the prize like the overall prize package became a little more life changing. They did like a team one, but overall the general premise has been like ten guy ten to twelve guys, ten to twelve ladies. Uh, sometimes both in the same show, and then like trying to win it and get exemptions. There was looks like season number one was two thousand three, and they had Whoa. thirteen seasons, so it ran from two thousand three through twenty fifteen. Wait, no, 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 no. Well, maybe there's more than one in the season, but from my count, there's twenty five editions of it. Mm, okay. I was just going by what the interwebs tell me. Said that uh, first episode date October sixth, two thousand three, and that yeah, they have had the same page eight, there. They've had eighteen seasons total, according to. Uh, anyway. I'm not debating with you one way or the other, saying you're right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what the uh, the old interweb and IMDb tells us. Maybe they classify a season as something else, but they started... There's 25 different variations of it from the list I just counted on. You remember who the but, original host was? I mean, I watched some of the Big Break 2, which I assume was the original one. Vince Cellini, back when he was still at Golf Channel. You're not even... You, you don't even remember Vince Cellini, do you? No, I do not. Yeah, that was before uh, Tom Abbott slid into uh, his spot as one of the uh, hosts. Argo in Blue Spring says, I don't know what I'd do without y'all. <laughs> you wouldn't get your big break information, Argo. Hey, we're glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. Biggest story that's out there, and this is kind of where we finished yesterday, and obviously it has uh, carried forward for uh, 21 hours since. Still a lot more questions than answers, but the story right now is the eligibility grant uh, that uh, the NCAA Division I Council voted on yesterday. We've had some time to think about it overnight, uh, maybe read a little bit more about it, uh, perhaps talk to some people about it as well. Have any of your thoughts changed or kind of the same concerns we had yesterday when the news first came out? Borky, I'll start with you. You were... You were adamant yesterday that this was only partially good. Yeah, I just, and I even saw the provision that a graduate transfer would have to count against the 11.7, which you would think makes sense, but let's pretend a player has graduated, so he's a senior, and he's told by his school, you can come back, but you got to pay your own way this time. Yeah. And his options are now limited because a school that already has a loaded roster is going to have to free up scholarship money to bring in a graduate transfer. Didn't like that provision. But I understand why it is that way, and I don't think there's a logical solution because, yes, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, if football happens, uh, could absolutely afford the additional cost to bring every player that wanted to come back back for however much it costs. They could afford it. And, and time out just for a second specific to Ole Miss or Mississippi State, 
or, or really any school across the country, if you have a senior who comes back, they can get their exact same scholarship amount, and, and, and you're talking about a percentage or a dollar figure or whatever, however you want to look at it, but they can get that same amount next year without it counting against the 11.7 scholarships. Which is a, a very good and important piece of this thing. Um, but when you think about it in terms of that, of course Ole Miss and Mississippi State can afford it, so why should I care? But you also have, I threw out East Tennessee State. I have no idea if they play baseball. I know it's a, a Division One athletics department that plays in the Southern Conference. Furman, Wofford, Citadel, whoever, they also play baseball. They also have to play pay games with Division One teams to keep the lights on. So you know they can't afford a $400,000 additional bill on their baseball program. So I understand completely why this is happening the way it is. I just hate that uh, there are going to be players potentially that, for lack of a better term, get screwed over in this. And maybe there was nothing that they could have done about it to make sure that the Furmans of the world are protected uh, as well. But... I hate that that's going to happen, but it's sure better than just the seniors or nobody at all uh, getting eligibility because everybody lost a season. I would agree with you on that point. Tell you what we'll do when we come back in in just a couple of minutes. We will pull up the rosters for Ole Miss, for Mississippi State, and for Southern Miss, and we will look specifically at the seniors or the grad transfers who could potentially come back next year, one, if they want to, and two, if the school wants them to come back and could continue funding scholarships at the same level without it counting against the 11.7 scholarships. And I think you're going to see that you get the potential for some impact positively for the schools in the state of Mississippi. And there's an argument to be made that if Southern Miss is able to figure things out financially that they will get the biggest positive impact out of any of the schools in the state of Mississippi. But I think you're going to like what you see when you look at, you know, given that we've completely lost the baseball season this year, that most of these guys are going to come back. The other thing that I want us to do when we look at at this, and hey, Dad, you may want to pull the Mississippi State roster up as well. We want to look at the guys that would have been draft eligible after this year or are draft eligible right now and see if we can kind of figure out of those guys that are draft eligible, are they top five round draft picks? And we'll try and take a stab at what these rosters might look like, at least in terms of the players right now before you even factor in what the incoming classes will look like next season. We'll do that when we continue. Just getting started with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be right back. All right, we're talking baseball-specific impact of the extra year of eligibility granted to all spring sport athletes. And we're going to focus on the state of Mississippi right now. Well, we can talk about this in greater detail and, and make it go in other directions if, if you want to. And you can text the show on the C Spire text line. Again, 
4395. A couple of things that I think are important to note, and these are not th- these are not engraved in stone right now, or at least I don't think they are, but in terms of the Major League Baseball draft, the most recent information that we've gotten is that this year's Major League Baseball draft is going to be a five-round draft. Normally, you're talking about 40 rounds. This year, you're talking about five rounds, so somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 175 picks in the first five rounds. Rippy, does that sound right? It's no fewer than five rounds. I I think they left wiggle room to get it to 10, but I think five's probably likely. Yeah, based on what I've read, it sounds like five rounds this year and then a 10-round draft next year. So you're looking at a couple of years of fallout for this. Um, and, and so the number of draft-eligible players, because you got to remember, you're not just talking about college players, you're also talking about high school players. And so the number of available spots for guys that are playing college baseball to get drafted right now is way smaller than it has been in recent years. All right, so on the Ole Miss roster, there are four seniors. Greer Holston, Taylor Broadway, Austin Miller, and Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers was already expected to return next year because he had Tommy John surgery and was going to miss this season in its entirety. So for Ole Miss, Rippy, this is a pretty big deal if those four players can get the same amount of scholarship money that they were getting this year without counting against 11.7 because you're talking about pitching depth. Taylor Broadway was a huge piece of this team. So was Austin Miller. The expectation was going to be that Tyler Myers was going to play a big role this year, although that obviously didn't happen, and you never know exactly what it's going to look like coming off of Tommy John. And you get another year for Greer Holston if, indeed, he's interested in taking another year his college career has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, you would hope that you know another year of you know whatever could maybe give him the opportunity where he's a contributor next year. Yeah, I mean, I think the two important here is it as it I guess pertains to the current version of what the 2020 team was is Broadway and Miller, which will certainly help their depth. And then, like you said, not really sure what you get out of Myers coming off Tommy John, but a guy that was expected to be a pretty key bullpen piece for them this year before he got hurt and was going to do the medical red shirt and all that. But, yeah, I mean, it could certainly help their pitching depth, particularly in the bullpen heading into next year and give them uh, kind of a familiar-looking bullpen from the previous year. And then if you want to play the, okay, what about draft-eligible guys, there really are only two, and if we're borrowing a basketball term, you're looking at two that are probably on the bubble in terms of top five rounds, being Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, and that's kind of the interesting part of this is what does this do with college juniors because this is kind of your year to get drafted and like what kind of leverage do you have and obviously age factors in in terms of being 21 versus 22 in most cases they will have a, a pretty difficult decision to make with the draft being shortened and uh what to do when i guess as it as it pertains well, to that but yeah i'll be kind of interested to see what but decisions is there, they make is there a decision to be made though i mean if you're not drafted in the f- top 5 rounds 
you would come back and would still be classified as a junior next year or having two years of eligibility remaining, and so you would have leverage in a year where the draft pool money is going to be bigger than it is this year because it's a bigger draft and there was such a small draft this season. I don't know exactly where they're projected, but a basing on where they were if they were drafted in those top five rounds, yes, it would be a decision, but, I mean... You would think they might come back, but what does that do to your leverage next year age-wise? Maybe a bigger draft pool, but you're 22 versus 21, which clubs factor in pretty heavily. But, yes, I do think sure. it's a decision. Yeah. Well, to me, the only de- – again, this is just me thinking out loud. The only decision is did you get drafted or not? Because if you get drafted in the top five rounds and you're sitting there as a junior right now, you're probably going to play pro ball. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. But, I mean, of course you wouldn't go if you're undrafted. That would be a $20,000 signing bonus as a junior. Yeah. Hey, Dad, Mississippi State, you've got, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, five guys that fall into the can come back next year, get their same amount of scholarship money as this year, and not count against the 11.7. And I think you're looking at five contributors. You're talking about Carlisle Kessler, who had slid into a starting role, who's a, a grad transfer. Uh, David Dunleavy, also a grad. Uh, Dunleavy, how much was he pitching? Some, right? Yes, yes, he was. He was a, a mid, middle inning contributor for sure. All right, so Kessler, Dunleavy, Spencer Price, Riley Self, and Jack Egan. So those are the five. Would would you anticipate that all five of those guys are back next year? I would think State would want them all back. I'll say that, especially Self and Price, who looked to be regaining some of the form they had in, in 2017. Uh, sure. Kessler is interesting because you mentioned he's a grad transfer. He would be a seventh-year senior. So I don't know if he still wants to be in college or not at that point. I don't. I just don't know. I mean, that's a long time. You're talking about a guy who's going to be, what, you know, 24, almost 25 when the season starts. Um I would think, but obviously, I th- you know, he was obviously a big time contributor for Mississippi State. It looked like he was going to slide into that, you know, midweek starting role and, and be a, a guy on the bullpen out of the weekends. All five of these guys being bullpen arms, I think State would want them back if they can get them. Uh, it'll just be up to them if that's what they want to do. So if Kessler comes back, he would be a 25 year old senior. His birthday is, is December 18th, 1995. Is that older so than Rippy? He is older than me. Wait no 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 I do, I'm bad at math. December eight no 1995 that would be younger than me. 94 would have been older. Yeah, it's close. We can just say that if y'all want to though. It doesn't have to be true. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm doing the math right here, he will turn 25 on December 18th of this year. So yeah. he would play his seventh year of baseball as a 25 year old seventh year senior. Do you think they offer 401k at that point? Is he going to be Dr. Kessler by the end of that time? Well, if he played his cards right, he might be able to. He's getting his master's right now, so yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe get a second master's degree. I I don't know. Uh, uh, So tell me this, though, hey, Dad. In terms of juniors, guys -hmm. that were draft eligible, we know that JT Ginn was a draft-eligible sophomore right? uh, but had the the surgery. Mm Mm-hmm. Are there were there any other draft eligible sophomores? Not that I'm that you're aware, aware of. No. no. Okay. So in terms Certainly of not juniors, one that was, go ahead. 
No, I'm just saying in terms of juniors that could potentially be drafted, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, Josh Hatcher, Jordan Westberg, Justin Foscue, and then you've got some other names that aren't necessarily in that same group. And, and Chase Patrick, Jared Schimper, Tanner Leggett, Jackson Forrester, Houston Hardy. So those are all the juniors. Mm-hmm. Any of those guys, kind of the, the first handful of names that I mentioned, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, Jordan Westberg, Justin Foscue, that you think are top five round picks? Foscue and Westberg would have that would be in that that group, I think. You know, Foscue okay. is a second baseman. There's not a lot of second basemen that ha- second baseman that have the kind of pop that he has in his bat. Westberg, the scouts love him. I mean, they they just love that guy. Um, so my guess is they would both be in in consideration for that. And Ginn okay. would be obviously if he was healthy, but that he's the, he's a big question mark, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then Southern Miss's roster. I guess the point that we're making there is you're looking at two, three, maybe four significant contributors from this year's team that could be on next year's team that wouldn't count against the 11.7 scholarships. Mm -hmm. And then Southern Miss. And we don't have time to do the entire Southern Miss thing right now, but listen to this list of names that are seniors. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine seniors, plus a redshirt junior, and then we'll get into the other juniors as well. There are only two other juniors. We'll do that when we come back because the names that we're going to look at for Southern Miss, it is a significant group and guys that were playing a lot, both as position players and as pitchers. Take a quick timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm with you. Feels like we're doing real sports stuff today, at least for a little while. Got a we'll turnout right there. Yep. All right, so Southern Miss's roster is interesting. Looking at guys on the baseball roster that are seniors or graduate transfers who get an extra year of eligibility. Everybody gets the extra year of eligibility, but these are guys that will have one more year without counting against the 11.7 scholarship limits that are in place right now. And again, you got to remember that the NCAA said you could give up to the same amount that they were getting on scholarship this year. So you could give the exact same amount of scholarship all the way down to zero, but those guys can come back without counting against the 11.7. Listen to this list for Southern Miss. Hunter Stanley, Matthew Guidry, Walker Powell, Josh Lewis, who's a left-handed pitcher, Tyler Spring, a right-handed pitcher, Sean Tweedy, a bullpen arm that is a lefty, Cody Carroll's a right-hander, Alex Nelms, and Brant Blaylock. And then Gabe Montenegro is a redshirt junior, but because he's not... I'm assuming because he is classified as a redshirt junior that you couldn't reclassify him as a senior to take advantage of the system. My, my, my guess is... I, I think... The level at which you were competing this year, the level at which you were classified this year, is the level that you'd have to be going forward. 
But, I mean, when you look at guys that were contributing for Southern Miss, Matt Guidry was second on the team in hitting. Gabe Montenegro, who we talked about just a second ago. But really the big effect is on the, the pitching side of things for the Golden Eagles. Walker Powell leads the team in ERA, 3-0 and in four starts. Hunter Stanley had made eight appearances. Remember, he was on the preseason stopper of the year watch list, second in ERA. Uh, I think Tyler Spring is one that I mentioned a, a second ago. He has made six appearances on the year. Sean Tweedy, numbers weren't great, but the expectation coming into the year was pretty good for him. He had made four appearances. So that's a bunch of important guys that could potentially come back for Southern Miss next year. It's a pretty big deal. We need to have, uh, as soon as we can, all three coaches back on with us to find out how they're going to manage this because you're right. I mean, that's that that's a big chunk of Southern's talent right there. And if they get all those guys back, man, they're, they're, you know, and same with State. I mean, if State can get – and same with Ole Miss. If they get these guys back, and then they're allowed to bring in some of their, their freshmen, who, by the way, if there's only five rounds for the draft, you might end up with a lot of, of your signees. More than you I mean, thought. You, I mean, we talk about baseball in the state of Mississippi. My God, you, you could have three teams that are legitimately confer- challenging for their conference championships. Easily. Problem is, the rest of the league's got this going on, too. You're, no, you're not wrong, but man, that's still... Two really good state and Ole Miss are looking to be really good next year if that if if that plays out the way you want it to. It, that's next yeah. year. Uh, isn't the next question how long will it be like this? And <laughs> I'm sure there's the no answer. That? Right? Yeah, the year after that, and the year after that. How long will we have to? I uh, say we. We don't deal with it. How long will Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, and everybody in college baseball have to deal with an expanded roster and how to navigate that? Yeah, you could have a mess two years from now if you say, okay, back to the same the, the roster limits. You'll see a lot of guys and, and and this is not a this is not this is a phrase that is whispered about. It's not talked about out, out loud, right? You'll see a lot of guys that get processed. Yeah. And just it's true. Um a lot of senior baseball players a year from now that will be told, look, you didn't play last year as a junior, and these are the guys coming in. You're not going to play as a senior. We're happy to help you find a new spot, but we don't have any scholarship money for you. I mean, Those are the difficult conversations that are going to happen in a lot of places. I talked to a uh, a person in college baseball. I said, hey, what do you think about all this? He said, well, ultimately, I think it's going to work itself out, as it always does. He said, but some of the bigger complainers that are out there right now are the same guys that cut players and process players every year, and they're just looking for something to complain about. The good coaches who take care of kids and who do things the right way, who, who do right by their players – they're going to figure it out, and they're going to do right by their players now. You know, that, that, that's the stuff that, again, doesn't really get talked about publicly. 
but it happens a lot. A lot. All right, some questions on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. Paula says Tim Elko graduates in three years. Okay. But Tim Elko is not going to be drafted in the first five rounds. I guess if he wanted to take a flyer at being an undrafted prospect for just, you know, whatever kind of a signing bonus he could do that. But Tim Elko was a guy that he needed to have a good season. And he might have needed to have a good year this year, which he was having, and another good year next year to kind of elevate his prospects. She also says that Gunnar Hoagland graduates in two years and is draft eligible based on age. That's true. But, Rippy, do you think Gunnar Hoagland is a top five-round draft prospect right now? Hmm. No, but I, I don't know. I, I Again, I admittedly don't know a ton in terms of like how scouts project these guys at some point because you saw flashes of it in his sophomore year, but he didn't get a full sophomore season. Sure. Hoagland Michael is also... From... Hoagland doesn't turn 21 until this December, so he's not a draft birthday eligible guy. Hogan's birthday is December seventeenth, nineteen ninety nine. What am I missing here? Would gradu would graduating make a difference? I don't believe so. Unless there's something I'm missing. It's years removed, I thought. Yeah, I mean it's 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 twenty one years old or three years removed from high school, whichever comes first. At least that's the way I understand it. Um Is she talking about next year or this year? No, I mean, I think she was talking about this year. So what am I missing here? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe just off on the math. Michael in Starkville, with regard to uh, Kessler, hey, Dad says he may be there longer than Jake Mangum was there. <laughs> Nobody will ever be in school longer than Jake Mangum was at Mississippi State. The longest four years in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Have they called him to help fight coronavirus yet, or is that not the doctorate degree he got? <laughs> no, he, I think he was a business guy. Oh, I see. Does the outstanding mayor of uh, of Starkville, Lynn Sproul, does she does she feel threatened at all by Jack Mangum? Was, not not he... that I'm aware of. I was aware. I thought that Robin Tannehill was his opposition. Oh, shut up! <laughs> oh, is that uh, they call him the mayor of Oxford? I thought they just called yeah. him the mayor. AJ Brown was the mayor of Starkville. I thought that's what that's what uh, the, the the social uh, media. Was okay. Saying. Fair enough. Fair I've enough. always wondered why athletes don't just come back and immediately run for political office. Like, I mean, maybe there's an age limit. Some I don't could know. win, yeah. But seriously, if win. Jake Mangum, like, knock on wood, hopefully this doesn't happen, but say he got hurt and, like, couldn't play baseball anymore, he'd come back to Starkville and be mayor tomorrow. Like, they would just hold a special election and he would be <laughs> mayor. That would be great because, you know, I'm friends with him, so maybe I'd get a little power behind the throne <laughs> action happening there. Jeff says it might be time for Brian Dozier to hand the Southern Miss baseball team a fairly large check. If he wanted to write a big check, I think he probably could. Professional baseball has been good to uh, been been good to Brian Dozier. Um, Borky, let's see. John and Hurley says my son is on the Ole Miss track team. They completed indoor track, but had not started outdoor track season. He's currently a true freshman. So next year he'll be a sophomore for indoor and a freshman for outdoor track? 
This is one of those wow. things we were talking about that there's a lot to figure out. This is that's one of those things right there. David and Socher says, "Wait, Mangum's gone." <laughs> Doesn't golf carry over both fall and spring? Yes, but their competition there's, season is in the spring. Okay, so yeah, they just no play events in the, the fall? fall? Yeah. Okay. Champion, championship season is in the spring. Same thing for tennis. They play some fall events as well. Uh, in the same way that soccer plays some spring matches, but their championship season is in the fall, so they are a fall sport. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a uh, quick time out and wrap up a fast first hour with you after just a couple of minutes. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us. On the final day of the month of March, it's weird how the calendar almost has gotten irrelevant, though. Like, I mean, right? It's one day, and then the next day, and then the next day, and all of those days. I don't, I, it's like, in some ways, you guys may think I'm crazy on this. In some ways, we're slaves to numbers, right? especially in sports, wins and losses and statistics and dates on the calendar so that we know the schedule of games and win-loss records and games above 500 and games below 500 and how many games out of first place. Everything is numbers, 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 numbers. And it's like the only numbers that anybody really is focused on right now are, okay, number of positive tests for COVID-19. Mortality rates. Um, where the stock market opens and where it closes in a given day. It's like those are kind of the only numbers that are people are, are focused on right now. You know what, what the what the infection percentage rate is and what the death rate percentage is and how it compares to other countries. It's like all of our sports numbers have just gone completely out the window. And the numbers on the calendar just don't seem to matter right now, which is such a weird feeling. Joel uh, on the podcast, I think today referred to today as March ninety eighth. It just it's just all the same now, you know. I was telling him I I, I I track days by the show. Like if I haven't done a show in two days, I know it's Monday. And so on and so forth. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah, I mean, uh, I told that, Borky I went to point. that hockey game three weeks ago today. Gosh, yeah. And it feels like how long ago? Uh, a couple months minimum. Yeah. If you'd have told me that was three months ago, I wouldn't have necessarily fought you. Yeah. Jason says numbers will lie to you in a hurry. Yeah, maybe so. Um, Question on here. How many NCAA football teams are active? You should do an extended number of days on the countdown rather than just 100. It's somewhere it, around 130 now, right? It's yeah, like 130, it's, it would, isn't it? It's not a huge number, but yeah. We are counting you down to the start of the college football season. Every single team will give you a preview. Team 130-whatever. We have Akron 158 Zips. days. 
So we could do this soon. Let's bracket style our favorite numbers. 129 FBS football teams. So we'll start the countdown in 19 days. Borky, we're actually late already. Yeah, I mean, if we had uh, if we had done it in terms of working days, we should have started. <laughs> oh yeah, a month well, ago we've never done it on working days. We would just always. No, do... I know. Yeah, we could do that though. Yeah, bring it on. So they're not 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 playing catch up. <laughs> or I mean, if we go by the city of Toronto and we're not doing anything public gathering until the end of June, then um, I might just wait the three weeks so I can have content then. Maybe so. Got a message here says, wore my Braves jersey all weekend, memorializing opening weekend. Had M Braves tickets for the first time this year. That's a bummer, but maybe we'll get some baseball back. This maybe tr- we'll get some baseball back, hopefully. This Toronto thing seems... We were talking about whether or not Herb Street's comments were appropriate or not. I feel like at this point, not to downplay the seriousness of the coronavirus, because we should be taking all of the precautions that are suggested to us. That being said, I do feel like there's an element of certain leaders trying to one-up each other on how much we care about our people to the point where it's going too far. Toronto has shut down all public gatherings until June 30th. How do you know that it's going to be that long. All you're doing is just putting number in dates that are potentially, nobody knows, unrealistic. And I I can't imagine living in Toronto today and being told I'm not allowed to go anywhere with other people until the end of June right now. Maybe that's the reality down the road. But to tell me that today on March 31st, I mean, it's anxiety driving. What's so hard about, we'll evaluate again in two weeks. We'll evaluate again in two weeks. Until you get there, instead of, you know what, hands up, you're done until the end of June, sorry, stay home. It's going to drive people mad. It is, but maybe that's the kind of decision that actually ends this thing. It's kind of like what we were talking about yesterday. What if, what if three weeks ago, or two and a half weeks ago, when all of this seemed a little unfathomable, None of us had been able to completely wrap our minds around where we were headed. What if at that point there had been leadership that said, nobody gets to go anywhere non-essential for three weeks? We would have gone crazy. In hindsight, it probably would have been a really good thing, and we'd be almost done with that three weeks. Sports Talk Mississippi, hour number two, coming up with you. Kendall Rogers is on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We roll into the 4 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. Kendall, um, you, you struck fear in me a little bit with uh, with your concern uh, and kind of some of the news, I, I guess, end of last week over the weekend about yeah. there, there being some discontent and maybe not as much support as we initially thought for the uh, extra year of eligibility, I, I guess yeah. at least from that perspective, we ended up with good news yesterday. No, we really did. And, and quite frankly, the, the word I was getting early Monday was not very positive. I, I think at the end of the day, is I don't know how many people saw the student athlete advisory committee letter that went around, but essentially what they did is early, I think it, may, it might have even been late Sunday, 
they kind of released this letter, circulated this letter online that basically looked at the, the NCAA's original decision, which was the, the coordination committee coming out right after the cancellation of games, that basically said, like, hey, we agree that everyone should get a year back. So what the Student Advisory Committee did, they sent out this letter saying, you know what, NCAA, like, we stand we stand with you, we're, we're united with you in this point of view. And I really think a lot of these council members kind of saw that and were like, listen, like, we cannot afford to go against these guys when we basically have already come out and kind of put ourselves, uh, you know, on team, give everybody else, or give everybody eligibility. So, uh, you know, I had our coming into Monday that we were more than likely getting only seniors, but at the end of the day, the council voted what I'm hearing overwhelmingly to give it to everyone. So uh, it's a win uh, for college athletes. It's certainly going to create some, a uh, little bit, some, some roster issues, but overall uh, I'm very pleased with the council's decision. I think after the initial uh, tweet they made about agreeing with with the uh, the premise of giving everyone a year. Uh, I think it's the right move. Kendall, we've already taken the rosters for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Southern Miss and looked at the guys who were seniors <laughs> who would you know be coming back next year and kind of what effect yeah. that could have. So it, it's it's a simple enough equation for next year, right? Those seniors, as you've reported, won't count against the eleven point seven scholarships. But what about after this year? Because there's a trickle down effect on this thing that really lasts for about four years. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Uh, That's one of the things. So I've been going back and forth to the D1 Council rep, which they've been outstanding in getting back very swiftly with my questions. But, you know, that's one of the things I asked him earlier today is, you know, a lot of coaches are are telling me, like, listen, like, we're we're glad we get some relief for this year. But, you know, what about next year? Like, we're going to be dealing with similar roster issues next year and in 2022 and perhaps even 2023. And the council told me today uh, that they plan here in the near future to get together and specifically address baseball and the roster structure and the scholarship structure uh, that baseball has. So what, what's the framework of this? I have no idea. But the fact that the council is willing to kind of break baseball out and kind of dive into the numbers and what the expectation is from a roster standpoint uh, is a very, very big development. Because as you well know, uh, we've had issues in the past getting baseball uh, separated from the rest of the spring sports. And uh, maybe this is a huge step forward in getting that done, not only for these items, but for other items like the third assistant moving forward. Kendall, forgive me for not knowing the answer to this. Is baseball the only spring equivalency sport or all of the other sports headcount sports, or, or is there something besides baseball that's kind of in this equivalency model? No, there's, there's other equivalency sports. The problem you run into with baseball is there's not another equivalency sport with a draft issue uh, the way we have it. You know, college baseball right now, if let's say the draft's in late July, and it's in the, the signing deadlines in August, there's no sport that deals with that. There's no sport that deals with finding out, you know, uh, two or three weeks before class that a guy may not come to college. So I think the D1 Council, and, and what's really frustrating, Richard, if you go through, just stick to the Division One manual and look at all the exceptions some of these sports have, and nowhere to be found is baseball, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the ability to have an agent, the ability to declare for the draft and then go back to school. Uh, there's just no exceptions for baseball. So I'm really hoping and, and, and praying that this is kind of kick-starting, uh, you know, baseball being taken maybe a little bit more serious by the D1 Council. I do feel like the D1 Council, uh, after they got roasted over the third assistant vote, I do think they feel like they're, they're a little bit compelled to kind of dig a little bit more into baseball. And, and, I, and I would tell coaches this, 
whether it's Coach Bianco or Coach Lamonis or, or Scott Barry, is college coaches in baseball, they need to look at this as an opportunity. Uh, and it, it, with every situation like this, there's an opportunity to get more. And I think if you're college baseball, and let's say the D1 capital come, comes back and says, I'll tell you what, we'll list your roster cap. Uh, we'll lift your roster cap for, you know, this season through 23 or through tw- 22. Uh, and we'll also, not, you know, allow you to not count seniors. Well, all of a sudden, if you're college baseball, you're looking at this as, as, as an opportunity to make this a long-term set-in-stone goal. Because, as they say, it's a lot easier, uh, you know, it's a lot harder to take away than it is to add. And I think if you're the NCAA and you're college baseball, I think you view this as one of those things that, hey, let's, let's make the NCAA take this away from us in two or three years as opposed to the opposite. All right. Let me make sure that I heard that right, because I think it's the first time I've heard you or heard you or anybody else float the idea of let's not allow scholarship money for seniors to count against 11.7 just moving forward period. Your 11.7 scholarships would be for freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. Is that right? Did I hear that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, and I, and I don't think the NCAA council would ever go for this yet. But I mean, I'm I'm on the John Cohen model. Uh, you know, John can speak to this a lot more. But you know, I wrote about the senior relief legislation that he's put together, and essentially what John wants to do is he wants to make it where any senior that comes back in college baseball, because baseball is such a different sport and such a unique sport versus other spring sports, uh, is allowing uh, teams to put the senior on full scholarship. Now, uh, I, I think in today's world, especially with the economy the way it's probably going to be for a while. Uh, you're not going to get that pass where it can be full. But, hey, why, why not do something like we are now to where, you know, long-term we give schools the option. This is to be say or Ole Miss or Southern Miss. If they want to give five returning seniors 50% that don't count against the book or don't count against the counter, why not? Hey, you know, if, if you've got the money you're willing to do it, why not? So I, I just hope this is a situation where the council may kind of looks at it and says, you know what, like these admins think this is going to work and, you know, if this works for baseball, why why in the world would we take it away in a couple of years? So we'll, yeah. we'll see what the framework is. The framework might be a one year deal, you know, a one year extension, and we're all done with it. And then this is kind of a, a, a you know pointless discussion. But I actually think they're going to end up doing something for the next couple of years, not just one year. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on your radio. Obviously no baseball to talk about uh, in terms of game results, but uh, they have not stopped working, continue to put out good stuff at D1. If you're not a subscriber, I would encourage you to check that out, d1baseball.com. So when we were first talking about this yesterday, we we got the the news about half an hour before the show ended. Uh, Michael Borky raised the point. He said, Richard, he said, you're going to have – a school out there that could afford to do it, that's got a $100 million budget or a $90 million budget that's going to say, yeah, we can't afford to, to pay that, that scholarship money. We're going to give you 0%. And, and that, to me, seems like it would be a travesty. But the reality is you got a bunch of schools that may have problems funding extra years of eligibility. What, what's the balancing act there, or is it just, sorry, that's tough luck? Well, I think there, I think there is going to be some schools like that. And I think there's, there are going to be some schools out there uh, that will surprise you in the decision they make. I had a couple of prominent programs, not in the SEC, but in other conferences. A couple of their coaches uh, come to me last night and say, you know, their ads were telling them, "Hey, we're not sure we're going to be able to get any of your seniors uh, any sort of money." So 
you you know it may be one of those situations to where to where a lot of these seniors you may have just kind of natural you know natural cuts in general. You may have some of these seniors decide you know what instead of this I'm like I'm just going to start my professional business career and not go back and play it you know, Michigan State or something for 5%. So uh, I do think there will be situations out there where schools will just simply choose not to pay. Uh, I guess yeah. my, only, my only complaint about this whole thing, uh, and, it, and it kind of ties back into the third assistant, is one of the things we fought so much for in the third assistant was the ability to do just this. Like, hey, and I, and I get it, like it's totally different. We're in, a, we're in an uncharted waters as a society and as college athletics. But one of the big things, we, you know, coaches fought for was, hey, like we don't care, we don't need to require it, but let's at least give everybody the option. So you know, maybe this is again, maybe this is another step toward uh, making college baseball to where it's like, hey, if you can do it, do these types of things. If you can't, then you can't. Kendall got a hard break in about a minute and a half. I'm really intrigued by this whole draft thing. If the MLB draft is only yeah. five rounds this year, there are so many outstanding college baseball players that go between yeah. the sixth and like the 12th or 15th rounds. We're looking at a huge talent pool in college baseball next year, aren't we? Oh, uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going it, to, unfortunately we got our season canceled, but it's going to be a golden, golden year for college baseball. I mean, you're, you're talking about, uh, any freshman that wouldn't have been a top five rounder going to college, uh, you're talking about a lot of juniors coming back. You know, if you're not a top five round junior, if you're not a Tyler Keenan type, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not taking twenty thousand dollars and I can return and I'm a junior and I have almost the same leverage. So yeah. you're seeing you're going to see more freshmen, you're going to see more juniors, and uh, it, it is going to be really interesting. With that said, uh, college baseball coaches will have some tough cuts to make. I mean. You know, the seniors don't count against your roster, but uh, you're going to have some very difficult cuts to make uh, come fall. But, uh, you know, again, overall, very pleased with the D1 Council. Uh, I think the, the way the MLB draft is structured is a positive for college baseball. Roster uh, Rosters will continue to be an issue, but uh, we're full speed ahead now. Thanks, Kendall. Thanks, guys. A guest heavy four o'clock hour and we are happy for it because right now our good friend jim gallagher jr joins us on the farm bureau phone line check out favorites.com and go with the home team mississippi farm bureau jim it's been a while how are you my friend i'm, I'm doing good uh kind of different than the last time we talked but uh just kind of hanging uh, laying low here in greenwood doing a lot of yard work actually uh getting a lot accomplished that we needed to get accomplished and spend a little time at home with sissy and my youngest so uh uh trying to enjoy the family time and a little different pace of uh for life for sure yeah for for folks that work on weekends and certainly you fall into that category for a big part of the year this is uh it's a unique time and if we're looking for glass half full there's uh there's some family time that a lot of us don't get on the weekends generally speaking i guess yeah, and I think that's maybe what the good Lord's trying to do. Maybe get us to spend a little time with Him, spend a little time with our families, and enjoy the good things we do have. Sometimes I think we get caught up in our our life and everything's going so fast, and and and, and everything's just kind of came to us come to a screeching halt. But it's uh, it's kind of fun to see the parents and the kids uh, walking and, and kind of spend a little time together here in Greenwood, and, and uh, that's the good part. And just trying to get somewhat it's completely different life for a lot of these kids and, the, and you know we we forget you know sports plays a big part of our lives it kind of gets you know life out of our minds and and it plays a plays a big part in our lives it's not the most important thing obviously right now but uh 
when it's not there, we realize how uh, how much it does play uh, in our lives. And, and golf is the one sport, not professionally, not on television right now, but individually, it's still got a little bit of shelf life as people are still getting out on the golf course. And uh, I guess that's an area where you can can still kind of practice the social distancing, but uh, continue to play. Yeah, and maybe that's you know something good that comes out of it. Maybe we get some more kids playing, some more families out there playing. Uh, like you said, you can spend a little time with your family out there. You kind of get out because you, you, know, you get stuck at the house. You, you get in that little routine, but golf's still going on. In Mississippi, a lot of places it isn't because of, uh, you know, the different cases. But uh, I know here in Greenwood, we've had a lot of play over the weekend, people doing what they're supposed to do, and they come out and kind of get away from uh, <clears throat> just what's going on and kind of get a little bit of fresh time out there. So maybe we get a few more people playing golf, maybe get some more kids playing golf. Uh, uh, and, and just that time that, you know, I know I enjoyed uh, spending time with our kids and getting to know them and, and a different role that we're playing. But uh, you're right, golf's one of the few things we can still kind of do. See, we're finding silver linings all over the place. Um, Professional golf, though, not a lot of silver lining there right now. We uh, we got the first round of the players in, and then they uh, ultimately shut it down, and that was probably the right decision. But no professional golf since then. Uh, We have had the Masters postponed. We have had the U.S. Open postponed. We have had the PGA Championship postponed. Haven't heard anything yet about the Open Championship. Um, What do you think the likelihood is that those three or four events actually get played in calendar year 2020? That's a tough one. I think the longer this lasts, the tougher it is to fit it in. And then you kind of get into when does the season really end? Uh, do you extend it and make it a longer season, say an 18-month season? You have eight majors in one in one season, and that's a possibility. I, you know, I don't know that that's what they're looking at, but you know, if if this keeps continuing out and we don't get to play regular golf till June, that pushes everything back. Uh, you've got the Ryder Cup in there as well. I mean, how do you fit? Uh, of course, the the Olympic week is open. So you could stick one yeah. in there, but you know, there's so much going on in New York that I don't know how that's going to ever slow down uh, this summer to where they could get ready and prepared. I think that's the thing. There's so many volunteers and so many moving parts to that uh, to put on a tournament, let alone a major. Uh, you could push it into the fall. I mean, there's talk that Augusta may go into the fall sometime. And, of course, they, they run their own event, and, and as does the PGA and, and the U.S. Open and the Open Championship. So you've got all four uh, run separately in the PJ Tour, trying to fit in there. So uh, it, it, I think it just is, it's based on time. How far does this thing continue to be pushed back? And the longer it goes, the tighter it gets to get it in the schedule. I don't see how they could possibly get it in when the playoffs end in August. So that means it pushes back in. Does that extend the season uh, to the end of the year, or does it extend it even longer than that? Then you've got the Corn Ferry Tour guys trying to get you know, their cards, when do you have a Q school? There's just so many moving parts to this. But the most important thing is to get everybody healthy and get this thing out of here and try to get uh, our country going. I mean, that's the, there's so many things to it that uh, we just don't realize. Many volunteers that go into the tournaments and everything just to put them on. So in uh, golf courses, kind of keep them in condition. That's not the most important thing. So there's just so many different things uh, and elements that take place to get a, a golf tournament going uh, just on a regular basis. Jim, you hit on something that um, I've been curious about. So the PGA Tour has its events that that Mm -hmm. are all, you know, scheduled well in advance. And we've seen a bunch of those events canceled. 
but there are probably some events that are in whether it's late summer or early fall as part of next season that go well look we may fall in a spot on the calendar where our, our event can be spared we can still play it but then you pointed out the masters is run by the folks at augusta national the rna runs the open championship the usga runs the us open and the pga of america runs the pga championship what would that strain the relationship between the PGA Tour and those four entities? If I don't know that it'll strain it, I think they're all trying play. to work it out, trying to make the best decision possible. Uh, you know, you've got the Open Championship, which is over in Europe, which is in such bad condition right now. I mean, how do they even come back to anything normal in the next few months? Uh, New York's the same way. I mean, do you move a site? Do you change the U.S. Open and maybe go to the I've heard Pinehurst. I mean, do you go to the next uh, uh, I think Torrey Pines is next for U.S. Open. Do you go there and swap that with uh, Wingfoot for the following year? I mean, I mean, I guess you could do that, but how do you get it ready? How do you get everything going? Uh, I just don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, the, the majors have been canceled. It was during the you know World War. So, I mean, it's a possibility that could happen. I mean, that's a definite possibility. But like you said, you got events on the calendar that are hoping to continue to stay on the calendar. Uh, and then you look even at the LPGA. They've got so many things. There was even talk, uh, listening and reading up on Mike Wan, that he could maybe combine tournaments and have two sponsors for a tournament uh, at one neutral site. So all the professional golf, European tour, they're 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 in real big trouble over there uh, with 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 what's going on over there as well. So I mean, professional golf is is in some very tough waters. Uh, and you feel for these guys, not so much the guys on the PGA Tour, because most of those guys are doing okay, but this Corn Ferry Tour guys, the LPGA players, the rookies that have just come out, uh, they're not getting many opportunities. Now this being slowed down, will they even get in events? So uh, it, it's, you know, there's people losing their jobs left and right in, in real world too. So it's uh, uh, it, it's just such a thing that we, we just can't predict it. But the longer it goes, the, the tougher it is to fit everything in. If I were to say one of the four majors gets played this year, which would be the most likely to be played? Would it be the Masters in the fall? I would think the Masters would probably be the one that would get played. Um, You know, it it would be really cool to see all those in the fall. Uh, And that's what I'm saying. Maybe do they have to extend the season? I think you can play in San Francisco in the fall. The later you go in the year, you run into time, uh, you know, daylight. I mean, so you got 144, 156 fields, you have to cut those fields back. Uh, you know, U.S. Open and, and the Open Championships, you have qualifying for that. Uh, and then you throw the Ryder Cup in there. So there's just so many things uh, going on. It would make for a really, you know, enjoyable fall, but a busy fall if they could even work that out. I think, and they're all working together. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, Jay and all the other directors of all the other organizations are on the phone day and night trying to figure out the, the next move and, and when is it safe to get back out and have our first event. Uh, I think for of all the events in professional sports, uh, golf has a chance to be the first one out because we are outside and we can kind of stay away and distance ourselves from each other a little bit easier than some of the other venues. And when is, or are we as, as, as public, do we feel comfortable going out and getting in groups with so many people that uh, we haven't done that in the last uh, few weeks and it'll probably be months before we do that? You know, there's just so many about- things we're just not sure of. Only about a minute until the break, and I appreciate you agreeing to spend a few more minutes with us after the, the timeout, but could you see golf coming back without fans for the first maybe handful of events? 
I mean, you could, uh, I guess, but I mean, is that really what you're trying to do? You're just trying to fit it in there? I mean, I guess you could. You still got to get the TV people out there. You still have to have volunteers out there somewhat. I mean, I guess you could run it without them. Uh, but uh, I, I think they want to get it when they do come back to be as normal as they possibly can. Maybe they restrict it uh, and don't have the big corporate box. Maybe it goes back the way it used to be. We don't have all these big corporate areas. We just have people walking on the golf course uh, behind the ropes. That would certainly be a, uh, a different look. We're going to continue our conversation with Jim Gallagher, Jr. You may have seen the news that uh, we've got another Tiger Phil one-on-one, but maybe two-on-two match on the horizon. We'll ask uh, his thoughts on that and uh, whether or not that is good for the game or if it uh, makes a difference one way or another. We'll also uh, get into what Augusta might look like if we played the Masters in October or November from a guy who has played it and has played it quite well professionally. We'll do that when we continue. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. More with Jim Gallagher, Jr. after this quick timeout. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Continuing with our good friend Jim Gallagher, Jr. Works at the Golf Channel, former PGA Tour pro, and maybe not the best golfer in his own house. <laughs> Would that be accurate? Maybe? Are, are you going to plead the fifth on that? Say that again? I said, w- would that be accurate, the whole not necessarily the best golfer in your own house? That's a possibility. It's a distinct possibility. But since none of us are playing, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up with them. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. I like it. Um, we had the whole Tiger versus Phil thing last year, the, the event they played in Vegas, and it certainly generated some buzz. Uh, there's talk that we could be looking at round two and we might be adding some novelty to it by putting uh, maybe a couple of professional athletes with those guys. How is that v- viewed in the golf community? You know, I think it was uh, – everybody would have loved to see it, obviously, in their prime. Not that they're not in their prime, but it, and they were really just going, uh, you know, for probably 10 years ago. But it, I think the buzz was early on exciting. I think it maybe – not that it lost its luster. I didn't honest, obviously – you know, I didn't get too much involved with it. I thought it was kind of neat uh, uh, to see it happen. And it might be fun to see those kind of things. I think people enjoyed those things. They used to love the shell, wonderful world of golf, uh, right. the head-to-head matches. Those were always some of my favorite things to watch. So I think it would be kind of cool. Do you want to throw a celebrity in there possibly to get uh, some people watching? Uh, you know, I, I think it's different times in their careers, uh, but they still draw. I mean, they both would be a good draw. You know, the thing that's tough with those things, even though you mic them up, it's hard to act naturally like you might would if the mics weren't on because uh, you know there's a mic on. So you're you're trying to be free with what you say because uh, I've done it in a Skins game before and, and back in my hometown, and it, it's a little awkward uh, kind of being yourself even though you're you're trying to be a little bit of that. But, uh, you know, it was, it was I think the, the lead-up to it was bigger hype than the actual uh, finish to it. Yeah, I would uh, would agree with that. So the idea of playing the Masters in the fall, I mean, you, you mentioned it a second ago. It's certainly, if we can get back to some level of normalcy where we're playing college football, we've got the NFL and Major League Baseball is going on, that could make for a pretty fun October or November if we had all of that happening at once. H- have you ever played Augusta in the fall? You know, I haven't, but I'm sure it's beautiful. The thing is, you know, when you start overseeding, uh, and what time of year? That, that's what's going to happen. Like with the ANA now that the LPGA is moving 
to a September date. They usually play it with overseed. They will then play it in September, which won't have overseed. They don't start overseeding until October. So, uh, you know, that'd be a different look, completely different than what we're, we're used to seeing. Uh, you know, it's always the overseed on there. Everything looks so emerald green. It would be a completely different look. I think the weather would be wonderful to have it. Uh, but it'd be a different look. But maybe we need some of that. You know, I, I think people would be so excited just to see it happen. They won't really care. They're just, they, they, you know, sports brings that peace to our minds. And maybe, you know, it'd be something different that you wouldn't normally see. And I, I think for the other majors, if they went into the fall, they'd be in some beautiful areas. Uh, you know, like I said, San Francisco, with, if mm-hmm. the PGA was gone in the fall, it'd be beautiful that time of year. Uh, so, I mean, you know, that's a possibility, uh, you know, the open and the, and the U.S. Open are the two that really kind of need to be in some warmer areas unless they would switch sites, uh, for the U.S. Open, but it'd be kind of fun to watch it. Uh, you know, I, I think anybody would just want to see it. Uh, I don't think they really, really care whether they saw the azaleas or not, but it would be a different look, no doubt about it. Part of the allure of Augusta National and the Masters is that you don't ever really get the peek behind the curtain. Um, right. Yeah, there there are a few pictures that are floating around of like a, a baked out Augusta National in the middle of the summer. Uh, we don't want to see that. Uh, like I, I don't need that image in my mind. But couldn't we feel pretty confident that uh, the folks at Augusta would have an absolutely spectacular golf course ready to go if indeed they decided to play this event in October or November? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the overseas would have to take place after that, and, and it would just be Bermuda like you normally, but they'd get it immaculate. I mean, you look at, like, uh, the tournaments we play in the fall, how good they look, uh, and the Bermuda would be full-blown. It would give them the whole summer to fertilize it, get it going, getting it ready to do it. They'd have it immaculate. It wouldn't be a problem with that. Uh, you know, the greens might not be as firm and fast as maybe we normally see it, but you know, they can control the temperature and, 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 and everything in those greens with the sub-air. So uh, that would be the one, I think, big difference you would see is, is how it would play with the greens. But if you got it into October, you know, as we know, it could it could firm up a little bit depending on how, how wet it is. But it'll be a different look, no question about it. But they'd get it in Jim, immaculate shape. Uh, I wouldn't have any doubt about that. You've told us about some of the magical moments that you've had at Augusta through the years, and you know, leading after the uh, after the first round or being right there at the top of the leaderboard after the first round. What's something that maybe people don't know, kind of behind the scenes, that as a player you've had a chance to see that the general public never gets to see, that kind of contributes well, to the magic or the the allure of Augusta National. I guess the, the cool thing is, and I hosted PGA Tour my first trip up Magnolia. Uh, lane, and that was really kind of different because I had a mic on. I couldn't really like enjoy it like Sissy and I would have enjoyed it our first walk because we had a camera on us. So I did my first day at Augusta hosting inside the PGA Tour, which was kind of cool. But I, I think back to I don't remember what year it was. Mary Langdon, my oldest, was young, young, and uh, maybe Thomas was born then, but Jack Stevens, who was in the chairman, uh, was walking down the sidewalk, and Sissy walked up to him and, and he he kind of teased, hey, did this little guy have a, uh, or a little gal have a ticket or whatever? And, and she asked, where's the tournament office? She had no idea who he was. And he was the nicest person. She she got to go into the tournament office, and they got the extra badge for the baby or whatever. So she kind of got to see that. But, uh, you know, when he was in charge and the times I was there, I always felt comfortable. But first, I guess, first trip there, I was so afraid to mess up. Because I'd heard the stories about how tough things were, but it was never like that. 
you went in the locker room and everything was really just, everything was just perfect. Everybody treated you, uh, wonderful, you know, and, and those are the things I hung out in that locker room or in the clubhouse as much as I could just to take it all in. Uh, but you know, that first day or so I was a little uneasy, but as time went by, I felt a lot more comfortable, but, um, you know, when I went back with Thomas several years later, uh, and I wasn't even playing anymore, it was just amazing to go in as a, as a patron and to just see, you know, park in the parking lot and go through all the things and being on the outside of the ropes just to see how it really took place. It was really cool for me to see it from that side, uh, as, as opposed to being inside. But, you know, the fond memory, obviously, leading, but not behind the scenes. But one of the coolest things is I got paired with uh, Jack Nicholas. Uh, I believe it was the second round or third round, uh, and we walked together up 18. And I remember telling him to go ahead, you know, obviously ahead of me because they were going to clap for me. He said, nope, you walk up here with me. And that was just one of the oh, cool wow. moments uh, for me. And that was, I think it was one of my last years playing there. And that was one of the cool moments for me walking up uh, 18 with Jack side by side, shoulder to shoulder as we walked up 18 together. Is there one shot you hit at Augusta that is just etched in your memory that you'll never forget? You know, I I, I guess it would be the, the bunker shot on 17 the first day. I got it up and down. The pin was cut just over the bunker, and there was just no way I was going to get it close. And I got it up and down. And, and that shot I'll always remember because it you know kept me in there and then to shoot 67. But I remember that shot uh, going like, how in the heck did I get that up and down, you know? Uh, that, that's just one of the, the, the cool shots that uh, it saved the round. You always hear about the round that saved it, but that was the round that kept it going on a part 18 to shoot 67. So that was probably the shot I always uh, remember. I, obviously, your first shot, but uh, that, that was one of the cool shots. I had to get it up and down in a place that I didn't think it was possible. All right, am I crazy, or are there still bunkers on 17, or are there no longer bunkers around the green on 17? Uh, and the front the front bunker was there, uh, and, it, and it was – you know, the, the whole location was in the middle of the green. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's still there. Uh, it, but it was just when you don't ever see anybody in it. I mean, you rarely saw anybody in it. Uh, and I think that's one of the things everybody's always trying to be, you know, coming in from different angles. You just don't see it in that bunker as much. I think the coolest shot on that whole golf course is, is really uh, is 12. And, and just coming up there and just trying to get it on land. And it's really not that hard a shot. But it's one of the most intimidating shots uh, on the golf course for me is just to sit there and, and, and knowing don't lose it right uh, and, and just try to get it on land. That, that, to me, that was one of the most intimidating shots. But uh, it's just the whole place is, is, is amazing. Uh, and, and it's changed so much now. Uh, you know, that's one of the things that's obviously longer. and It's just changed so much from when I played there. Uh, it was one of the golf courses and the, and the events. I, I, I felt like I should have played better than, than I did. Because I felt like my game really did, I could have played. You know, I hit the shots. It, it always got down to putting for me there. It's always fun to uh, to visit with you, and I appreciate you spending some time with us this afternoon. And hopefully, we're uh, we're back to some level of normal before too terribly much longer. But uh, in the meantime, maybe we can uh, continue to enjoy some time with our families. Thank you, my friend. Yep. Absolutely, and everybody, be safe out there. I appreciate uh, y'all having me on. That's Jim Gallagher Jr. from the Golf Channel, for P, uh, former PGA Tour winner, great Mississippian, great ambassador for golf in the state of Mississippi as well. We'll take a quick timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you. 
after this break. Orky, I'm sure you were shaking your head at me when I asked about no bunkers on 17. It's number 14 that has no bunkers, and I know you know that well because you told me that as a kid you charted the entire golf course. Is that right? Yeah, I probably could still do it today, but definitely when I was in my early teens, like from 12, 13, 14 or so, every year for the Masters, I would draw the course out from memory. Bunkers included? For, I could get almost all of them. Yeah, maybe not the design perfectly, but I, I could have told you exactly where they all were. Now, probably not. Ed and Ponatok on the C Spire text line. Good interview with Jim Gallagher. What a good guy. I could not agree anymore, Ed. He is absolutely uh, one of the finest gentlemen that uh, you'll ever meet, and uh, I'm certainly glad to call Jim a, uh, a friend. Uh, we get a picture from Hammy in Hattiesburg. Uh, he says, can you imagine the amount of business the sports book would get if the Masters was held in October? Mm. The amount of money. I mean, they were doing really well here. But when you compact all of the sports into three months, it'll at least be a nice uh, like welcome back if we get it. Yeah. Yeah, no question about that. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Both Kendall Rogers and Jim Gallagher joined us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Borky, there are actually a bunch of stories that are out there right now. What what grabbed your attention the most overnight? Ooh, that's a really... uh... The quote in Brett McMurphy's story when he interviewed ADs where one was completely honest with him and said, if there's no season, we are word that starts with the letter F. Um, It made me laugh, but it's also, I mean, sobering at the same time. Because it's so true. Football funds everything. Everything. Ross Dellinger tweeted out a graphic of LSU's um, either net, Profit or expenses from 2016-17 season, football made $58 million. The other sports combined, including basketball and baseball, which made money, negative $23 million. Football is it. And if we don't have it, I mean, it could lead to, I mean, cutting programs and opportunities for some kids even. Hey, Dad, do you think we're looking at a change in the way that athletics departments operate financially going forward? It sort of feels like it, doesn't it? Because you, you, we talk about these huge budgets that they have and all the money that comes in from these TV contracts, especially your Power 5 schools, and then you talk about, uh, we might not have the money to do this stuff. And it's sort of just like it feels like they're living paycheck to paycheck almost. You know, why is there no money being saved up for where are the rainy day funds? You know, that's something that not to get too far down the political road here, but, you know, Americans are expected to keep some money in the bank, you know, in case of a rainy day. But a a corporation goes two weeks without profit and all of a sudden we got to bail them out. Same thing with these athletic departments. You know, why, why, why isn't there money? For the rainy days like this, and I, I mean, nobody could pr- project a, a a epidemic that cancels seasons and could possibly cancel football. I get that, 
but it, it feels like they're just sort of everybody's sort of sort of caught with their pants down. People who should have money on hand. Yeah, they do it on purpose. Yeah, I was about to oh, say you're right. there's a reason they don't. You're I mean, and you're right. I mean, Godfrey tweeted that the other day. They they they. they spend their money so they don't have any laying around so they can't say so they can say we don't have any money to pay students student athletes with i get that but still i was going to come back to bite them maybe i mean we hope not because boy and it's it's not just like devastating for the three division one schools here it's devastating for simo who was supposed to be in oxford this year it's devastating. I mean, even even though it's a Division One program, New Mexico, who's got a, a pay game with Mississippi State, they need those games to, I mean, keep the lights on. And so it's not just the schools that make all the money that are going to lose. It's everybody. It's just the, the trickle-down effect of this deal. If they don't play the games, is, I mean, is it overcomable? Yeah, I had somebody that, was a whole lot wiser than I am. Tell me one time. And this was at a point where Jane and I were making almost no money. Either still in school and trying to scrape by right after we'd gotten married or just out of school, whatever it was. I mean, we were broke. And he said to me, you're going to spend the money you make. Now, the idea is you save for retirement and you save some money, whatever. If you're doing it right, if you're doing it smart, you do that. And there are a lot of people that are a whole lot smarter, that are a whole lot better at saving than I am. But I've found through the course of being married for be 14 years in July, it's generally speaking pretty true. If you make 30000 a year, you're going to spend pretty close to 30000 a year. If you make... 100000 a year, you're probably going to spend that. I've never been there, but my guess is if you make a million dollars a year, you're probably going to spend about a million dollars. And that seems to be the way these schools operate as well. They were for me Five o'clock hour with you on this Tuesday. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire and UMMC are partnering to help Mississippi cancel COVID-19. For a limited time, COVID-19 screenings are free through the C Spire Health app for anyone in Mississippi with fever, respiratory issues, or other symptoms of the virus. Download the app to chat with a UMMC clinician from your phone. For all Mississippians, a consultation through the app is required to be tested for COVID-19. They can quickly assess your symptoms and determine if you should get tested for coronavirus. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. Quick first couple of hours, a fair amount of uh, sports news to get to today. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough, but don't stop there. You can check out all they've got to offer. Give your local Ford dealer a call. Talk to them about the deals that they've got going, how they might be able to help you. That's at your local Mississippi Ford 
dealers. The Athletic did a bracket of all 32 college football playoff teams. Borky, you say you're not a big fan of brackets, so you uh, have got a little bit of twist on this. But um, let's first look at the one seeds. These, this, the, the top 12 seeds in the bracket right now. But, but first, the one seeds. Are these listed as the number one overall seed, like one through four that way? Uh, yeah. So the number one overall or the top one seed, 2019 LSU. Any argument of last year's LSU team being the best college football team of the entire college football playoff era? I mean, the only argument would be 18 Clemson, but 18 Clemson did not play anywhere close to the schedule that resembles, I mean, even different atmospheres, different galaxies uh, to what LSU faced last year. They beat six top 13 teams last year. So the top four seeds are 2019 LSU, 2018 Clemson, 2015 Alabama, and then 2016 Clemson. 15 Alabama had that one loss, uh, of course, to Ole Miss. 2016 Clemson lost to Pittsburgh at home uh, by one point uh, in the middle of November. I mean, one of these things is not like the other, right? 2019 LSU quarterback Joe Burrow. 2018, even though he was a freshman, Trevor Lawrence. 2016 Clemson. Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. That's right. 2015 Alabama? Jake Coker? Is that right? Yeah. That is correct. If you put Jake Coker up against those other three, he's not beating them, is he? No. And then the other kid, Bateman, actually started the Ole Miss game, didn't he? Yeah, but Coker ended up playing the majority of the game. Yeah, I know, but the the there were some he, he indecision did start. there You're going right. into it. You're right. And then was it didn't, didn't Blake Barnett did, start that year? Yes. Did he start the season opener against was it Michigan or Southern Cal? Right. No, the next year was Michigan Southern Cal. And, it was Michigan. The next year was Southern Cal, and Jalen Hurts started that game and just started from that point on until yeah. two arrived. So, yeah, it feels yeah, like I'm pretty re- sure Blake Bar- Barnett's the answer there. Yeah. Feels a little redundant naming these teams off because it's all like Alabama, Clemson. <laughs> the two seeds are 2016 Alabama, which lost to 2016 Clemson with Deshaun Watson. Great game. 2017 Georgia. 2017 Alabama. 2014 Ohio State as the last two seed. 2016 Alabama was undefeated until the national championship game that they lost to Clemson. Obviously, 2017 uh, Georgia lost at Auburn in November and then lost to Alabama in the national championship game. 2017 Alabama had uh, one loss, and that was at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. In 2014, Ohio State lost in Week 2 at home to Virginia Tech, otherwise won the national championship, obviously. I think me, 2016 throw... Alabama is better than 2015 Alabama, even though they lost the national title. Uh, I might agree with you there. 
See if you agree with this statement. If 2014 Ohio State plays any of the one seeds in 2014, not like you take those teams and you put them on the field now, when they were riding that wave of momentum, could that 2014 Ohio State team have beaten any of the one seeds? They would Last have year's LSU team. They go, would beat that Alabama ahead. team. Or it's me. That 2015 Alabama team, Sorry, they yeah. would beat them. But the two Clemson teams and LSU would beat that Ohio State team. Their, their final the... three games are unbelievable. They beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game 59 to nothing. Yes, beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl 42 to 35 and beat Oregon by 22 points in the National Championship game. And that Alabama game is not as close as the score makes it sound. That Alabama was way out of that game. They've got a couple garbage scores. Cardell Jones playing quarterback. Yeah. Zeke is the running back and you know, I mean, I mean obviously if you were an Ohio State fan, you knew about him before that. But he was a monster in those three games. I think the best team from 2014 didn't even play in the playoff that year, so I don't know. You got to see them live, Richard, at the end of the season. The TCU team. I did see them. As they, much as they I tried fun. to. They, they, I know, I know. They, they deserved to be in the playoff that year. And I, I know Ohio State won the national title, but my gosh, they were incredible. You also forgot I to fl- mention that uh, Michael Thomas was a wide receiver on that yeah. team. They also had Joey Bosa and Noah Spence on that defensive line. Uh, a guy named Von Bell, uh, may yeah. his Saints career rest in peace in the secondary, as well as Eli Apple, uh, appropriately a backup at the time, and Marshawn Lattimore was listed as a third string on that team's depth chart. They were good. That's They're like the team. same era as those one of those times during the summer when we looked up those like early two thousands Miami roster compared yeah. to like yeah. Nebraska or something. That's in the same like category, is it not? Yeah. And yet that that being said, they were a an underdog to Alabama, quarterback by Blake Sims, for God's sakes, to to it's in that game. So. But with the narrative going into that was third string, right? Because you hadn't yeah. seen a whole lot yeah. of Cardell Jones. Well, all you'd seen was the Big Twelve the Big Ten championship game. That's all you had seen. And he was just a monster. Gosh. Yeah, it was. He ain't come here to play school. He didn't. He didn't. He, he played football really well, though. <laughs> Think about the – I mean, Alabama's run of quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, we're, we are jaded a bit by Jalen Hurts slash Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But Alabama had a run where quarterback didn't scare you at all. Right, I mean, no. Jay Coker, and prior to that, it was Blake Sims, and prior to that, you were in the um, AJ McCarron, AJ McCarron, and Greg McElroy. I mean, they were good, good players. They were good, just that. But they good. weren't game changers. You know, they they the, that was back when you talked about Alabama having their quarterback stats were great because of the players around them. Oh, he's got Julio Jones and Mark Ingram in the back. You know, all this. Then it became no, Tua is really, really good. And Jalen Hurts was good, too. He, he benefited from some of the players around him. But, I mean, I think he showed by the end of his career he was a very good quarterback. Was it ex-running back Blake Sims? That is correct. Yeah. 
That is absolutely correct. In fairness to McCarron and to Greg McElroy, yeah, we go, ah, they were good. And both of those guys played games in the NFL. Yeah. McCarron was the best one. AJ is still in the uh is still in the league, isn't he? Yeah, he's been a pretty good backup and he got a pretty one pretty good contract if I'm not mistaken. I think the yeah. Bengals gave it to him, either them or their Bills. Borky, did you have you you said you had a twist on this? Should well, we do that w- next? Yeah, I just wanted uh, you guys to, instead of doing it bracket style, if you had to re-rank these, so to speak, where would you put who? Or who would you put where? I, I agree with your yeah. one seed. The rest of it, we have to, we'd have to spend a week on. Well, the good news. We got that. Mr. We got is, <laughs> We got a week. If you need a week, you just let me know. We got a week. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you along for the ride. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Small local businesses are going through some incredibly difficult times right now, but there are a few things that each of us can do to support our favorite local businesses during these unsettling times. Um, don't forget that the most thing, the most helpful thing you can do right now is buy local. Buy gift cards so that the businesses can uh, continue to have some success, and you'll be able to use those gift cards later when life returns to normal. You can order takeout or curbside pickup from your local favorite restaurants. We've got a new web page to help you find a great locally owned restaurant that does delivery or carry out in your area. Go to supertalk.fm slash eats, E-A-T-S. There are a ton of options for you all across the state, and we're still adding to the list. And remember, a little compassion right now can go a long way. Uh, don't forget the uh, C Spire, or excuse me, the Sports Talk Mississippi podcast is available for you on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Just search Sports Talk Mississippi. And don't forget, while you're there, you can subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast, the Rebel Report, or the Super Talk Eagle Hour. All of those available to you. Anything fun happening right now on uh, Thunder and Lightning or Rebel Report? Uh, tomorrow's pod is our, our mailbag pod, and uh, we are doing only food-related questions, so I'm excited for that. I also asked all of our people who were asking questions of us to tell us uh, where they are going to go eat first when this is all over. What's the first place you're going to go? Uh, we also had an interview lined up. Uh, we'll be talking to Ben Beckwith, former MSU uh, offensive lineman, and we'll be talking to Dominique Dillingham. Uh, former MSU uh, women's basketball player and current women's assistant coach, uh, reliving a couple of uh, classic games this week with us. So what's the answer to the question for you, for you guys? First place you'll go eat when um, everything returns to normal. Let's just say you're going on a date. Could be with your wife, could be with... with Whatever. Carry on. <laughs> what was that? What just happened? The I, my 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 phone line cut out for a second there. What did you say? No, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Didn't cut no, out. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not kidding. No, I said, what would be the spot for you? The uh, the first place that you'll go? Maybe if you're going on a date or just going on a whatever. 
My, my first thought is I'd want to go to Umi and do steak and sushi, but I wouldn't mind going to West Point and going over to Anthony's either. Ooh. It's a nice choice. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Rippy, Rippy first spot, uh, you, you will go and eat out once everything opens again. Well, to answer the first question, the uh, the the Rebel Report will be rehashing whatever happens on Big Break Greenbrier tonight. No spoilers. Uh, no, we'll come up with something, though. We're working out struggled a little bit this week. Second one is... Oh, I don't know. You know, you know Rippy, mm-hmm. I've asked a bunch of questions on your mailbag. When are you, when are you going to send me a question? I think today's the day. Food related. We answer only. all of everyone's question. We do it for the people. Uh, I'll send you a question. What uh, right. What was your second question, Richard? People are throwing stuff at me. What's the right first here. thing you're going to do when we get the all clear? Oh, first place Food you're going wise. to eat. Yeah. Like when, when you and your wife go when you and your wife go on a date right after all of this ends. Where's the first place you're going to take her on a date? One, don't have married. a wife. Two, those What's are very that? different questions. Three, mm, Jinsei. Which is where she would want to go, right? Honestly, at this point, that is where I would like to go. Those wings are really good. I know that sounds insane, but that yeah, is my Let's go go-to. to the sushi place and get wings. I, yeah, you, if you've had them before, you know, know what I'm talking they're about. they're good. They're I'm good. not opposed to sushi, though, either. I just don't know how to order. I have to have someone order for me, like a five-year-old at sushi places. The Bangkok roll. Okay. I like the sushi menus with pictures. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, probably Jensei is a good one. Uh, they got great onion rings, too. Volta, another one. Okay. What about you, Borky? I'm going to sit at a bar and eat oysters and have a beer and watch a game. Yeah, Borky probably nailed it on that one. It's more so the idea of just being able to go and sit and enjoy places more so than the food or the like restaurant. There's in a, my opinion. There's like three places here where you can do that and it'd be like a really nice experience. So one of those three, but that's what I want to do. I've been thinking about that all day. It's just how nice it would be on a Tuesday night right now to leave here, quick change. And then go sit at the bar and watch a basketball game and have some oysters. Just that would be so nice right now. To be clear, did you just say there's three places where you can do that in the Jackson Metro area? Three places that I know that I could do that and enjoy it. I'm sure there's more, but I I have a rotation of three places where I go get my oysters from. Do, do people? Does anybody still buy into the don't eat oysters in May, June, July thing? I like do. It's gonna be an if people tell me not to. You, you should. You can eat oysters whenever you want. Yeah, Borky, get, Borky getting oysters at the Drunken Clam. <laughs> he can go to the Blue Oyster. They have the best salad bar in town. Jeez. <laughs> Did you get that reference? Please tell me you got that reference, yes. Richard. Yes. 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 It's yes. a good day. What about mine? Yours I got, too. I got it, but I'm just saying. I meant Richard. I figured Hey Dad probably got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> The what? The part when you called him Boyke? <laughs> the drunken... I'm not even a Family Guy guy, if that makes any sense at all, and I knew what that was. Uh, you ever seen Family Guy, Richard? Ah, uh, yeah, but I'm not a regular. You didn't like it? Hey, that Quagmire laughed? That's not Quagmire, that's Peter. Peter, excuse me. <laughs> now I'm messing it up. You, I'm you, is that the cute. peanut butter jelly guy? <laughs> Peter? No, it's Brian. Yeah, Brian's, Brian's the dog. Does peanut butter jelly? No, but Peter's the human in it. You're on the. You're in the right. But, yeah, yeah, but the dog is the one. Peter's that... the guy that if I shaved my beard and bought a pair of green pants, I could easily go as for Halloween. 
We need so to do a Halloween remote this year somewhere. Don't, don't, I'm down. And have the I'm listeners in. pick what we all dress up as, and Richard oh, has God, to participate. No, we'll, all be, we'll all be in drag. Don't do that. Oh, well, with limitations, of course. <laughs> to say. We're having like, this at we have Hollywood. the power of reasonably saying no. All right. Uh, here we go. We've got uh, we've got a bunch of responses, by the way, on first place that you'll eat after this is all over. Jason, yeah. who is in Arizona, says, first place, I'm driving my happy rear end to Tupelo, and I'm going to destroy some grilled chicken melts at the Waffle House at Barnes Crossing after murdering a T-bone at the Big Texan on I-40 in Amarillo. He says, ain't no Waffle House here, no good steak joints either. That is a very specific plan of attack, Jason. You, you would go probably in run into a Waffle House before you got to Mississippi, but points well taken. That's true, too. Uh, Tim in Tupelo says he wants to go to Adolfo's in New Orleans when the, he gets the all clear. A fine choice. Uh, Amanda from Pike County says she wants to go to the Boston in Hammond or Waffle House. Waffle House is America's restaurant. David uh, wants to know if Proud Larry's can deliver to the coast. That's David and Socher. He also says shrimp and scallop hibachi at Osaka in the Iberville. Ed in Brookhaven says he wants to go to Ajax on the square in Oxford. It's a good choice. Mm-hmm. little fried catfish, sweet potato casserole. Country fried steak. I'm a pork chops man when I, go, when I go to uh, Ajax. Are you really? Ah, the pork chops are delicious. Okay. I mean, everything that's served there. A little there hash brown casserole. Darn good. Now we're talking. Yeah. That sweet potato casserole is my go-to, though. There you go. That's Their mac and cheese is good. Mm. Is it? It's dinner time almost, isn't it? <laughs> Soul Shine Pizza would be in the mix as well. I think when this oh, really? is all said and done, I might like pick like four of my favorite places and just go get my favorite thing and just eat it all. They hit like four restaurants at once and just take it home. You mean tonight? No, not tonight. Like when this is all done. Oh, I thought I thought you meant like when Sports Talk Mississippi is all said and done no, in twenty nine minutes. When this when this this time that we're living in when this. <laughs> the with the virus age has ended. Keith Invaden says Cracker Barrel for him. That's a good choice. As chain restaurants go, I'm not going to hate on Cracker Barrel. Fantastic. Uh, apparently, the Boston is in Amit, and uh, this person says they've heard good things about it. Lonnie says he's going with the Lone Star Schooner Sports Bar in Tupelo. That All is right. another thing. You know, just beyond eating, like Borky said, I, I can't wait to go somewhere and have a beer and sit at the bar and watch sports. It'd be great. I mean, you 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 do have that option at home, right? I don't like it's to drink at home. Same. It's not the same. It's not the same. I don't like to drink at home. So. Okay. Sports talk. So there. <laughs> That's the end of that. So now you know. We will uh, we'll be right back. Quick timeout.
Time for this moment in sports history brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. You can get wave therapy to treat many orthopedic conditions, including heel spurs, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, shoulder tendonitis, and more. No incisions, no scars, no downtime. You can go back to work the very next day. To learn more or contact Acoustic Wave, visit their website at AcousticWaveMS.com. And be sure that... Um, you're not limited by their hours or the restrictions that we've got in place right now. Maybe that you have to uh, put the therapy on hold just for a little while. You can give them a call at 855-563-6100. Again, AcousticWaveMS.com or give them a call, 855-563-6100. This day in sports history, 2017, we've only got to rewind three years when the Mississippi State women's basketball team ended one of the greatest winning streaks in sports history. Hey, Dad, tell me more. I'll tell you all you want to know. Mississippi State uh, defeats UConn uh, in overtime, 111 straight wins for the Huskies coming into that game, had beaten Mississippi State by 60-plus a year ago in the uh, sweet, a year before that in the uh, Sweet 16. But Morgan William hits the uh, game winner as the clock expires for, you know, I know a lot of people aren't into women's sports, and that's fine. But for my money, one of the biggest upsets in the history of sports, not just women's basketball, but sports. You want to hear it? By Let's all hear means. It. 12.3. In overtime. No timeouts, and Mississippi State cannot advance that. Got to go full floor here. Dillingham across midcourt. Dillingham with it. Five to get off a shot. William on the drive. Pull up, pull up. Got it. She got it. She got it. One of the great upsets in history. Mississippi State in overtime at the buzzer. 13 points in 44 minutes for Morgan William. There was not much scoring in the overtime period as Mississippi State outscored UConn just 6-4 to four in the uh, the final five minutes of the ballgame. A 66-64 win. UConn was undefeated going into that one, 36-0. How many in a row had they won? 111. 111 consecutive wins. For UConn prior to that loss, Mississippi State with the win improved to 34-4 and on the year. Victoria Vivians led Mississippi State in scoring in that game with uh, 19 points. Um, unbelievable win. Just an yeah. unbelievable win, and uh, that one will live on forever. Yeah, and like I said a few minutes ago, the phone sort of cut out on me there for a second, but I don't I don't know if you guys caught that. But uh, I will have Dominic Dillingham on the Thunder and Lightning podcast with me uh, for Friday's show, reliving that game. Dominic Dillingham played 32 minutes in that uh, that ball game that uh, Mississippi State ultimately got the win against UConn. That is this day in sports history, and it's brought to you by Acoustic Wave of Mississippi. Check them out online at AcousticWaveMS.com or give them a call at 855-563-6100. You remember we talked a week or so ago when the Tom Brady news was out there that there was a question of what number he was going to wear? 
with yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's been yeah. number 12. Chris Godwin wears number 12. Well, they've gotten that all worked out, apparently. Chris Godwin is going to give Tom Brady number 12, and he's not expecting anything in return. Does this mean Chris Godwin is a great guy, or he is a bad negotiator? You'd hope he got at least a little something out of that deal. Yeah, surely he got some memorabilia, a picture, you know, a glossy 8x10 signed. Personalized. Kale pajamas Brady wears. To Chris from Tom Brady. Godwin told the Buccaneers website that no transaction or compensation was involved, despite a precedent being set previously by new teammates getting numbers already taken. Here was his quote. This was in a video earlier this month on the Bucks website. Obviously, if he doesn't want it, or if he's not making a big deal out of it, I'm definitely going to keep it. We'll see how that goes. I just think out of respect for what he's done, what he's accomplished, just the kind of career he's built for himself, you have to lean into that respect. Chris Godwin has worn the number 12 since high school, uh, but he said he's the GOAT, talking about Tom Brady, and uh, was willing to give it up. Now, if Tom Brady is a good guy, even though Chris Godwin didn't ask for anything, surely he just says, hey, man, that was really cool how you didn't make a deal over this. I appreciate it. Here's something. If nothing else, you know, all these NFL players have a charity. Brady can make a donation to it. Could do that. Could give him a watch. Could... Hand him the keys to a new car. Could take care of the honeymoon. He's engaged. I think we mentioned that a week or so ago. So like, hey, where are you guys going on your honeymoon? Oh, yeah, that's cool. It's on me. This is just another example, although it's not surprising at all, but still, uh, that the Buccaneers, from top to bottom, players, coaches, general manager, uh, were done with Jameis Winston. The team reaction when they signed Tom Brady was overwhelmingly like, oh, thank God. And Bruce Arians, I forget what radio show it was on, gave a quote where he said, (laughs) (laughs) this is great. (laughs) I'm paraphrasing here, but basically, yeah, we wanted Brady and Bridgewater, but then we would have looked at Cam Newton, named five quarterbacks, and then said, and if those didn't work out, we were going to go all in with Jameis. And then, at the, remember at the end of the year, in the days after the walk-off pick six to cap the 30-30 year, uh, Jameis's camp leaked out that they were seeking third, around $25, 30000000 million a year? Do not remember yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just looking. saying dream big. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> the disconnect between maybe what they put out and what he wanted. Rippy, we need a camp. We need, we need somebody telling people that number for us on this show. It's about the same amount of effect, I would imagine, too. And now Chris Godwin's like, yeah, sure, Tom, please have my number. Just don't be Jameis. Thank you. Between 24 and 27 million. <laughs> the thing is, that's for a 5,000-yard passer, that's a bargain. But there's that thing out there. But then. <laughs> for a 5,000-yard passer with 30 touchdowns, that's a bargain. <laughs> But then, yeah. Hey, did uh, did Sean Payton say something he did not intend to say this morning while speaking that. with Mike Greenberg on Get Up on ESPN? Payton seemed to focus 
on Taysom's Hill role with the te- uh, Taysom Hill's role with the team, and even said the unique situation with our team and our quarterback Drew Brees is he's announced he's coming back for his final season. Whoops! Wait, I missed that announcement. Sean, <laughs> uh, I hadn't Google. seen that one. <laughs> But in all reality, didn't like. I mean, I guess it wasn't for sure. But are you shocked by this? Not if even a little. If he's on truth, no, no. Uh, I think they're drafting a quarterback. I think it's potentially if Jordan Love is still there, Jordan Love in the first round. Mm. Saul, so he's spoken to multiple teams, including the Packers, which is interesting. But uh, one of them was the Saints that he has been in video conference mode with New Orleans, and now that they signed Emmanuel Sanders, their desperate need uh, is gone. They still need a linebacker, but you don't need to get a linebacker in the first round. There will be plenty good ones. They don't have a second-round pick in the third, fourth, or whatever. And the way they draft, they can find a good one. And they still, believe it or not, have $8 million in cap space to work with. That would be a perfect position if there's a guy available to take your heir apparent to Drew Brees. By the way, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the last year for Drew Brees, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we were having this same conversation a year from now. He decided he wanted to just play one more. I just wonder if he's got it in him. Well, didn't you wonder that going into this year? Yeah, he did get a five-game red shirt, though, with a bye week mixed in there, too. Maybe he's planning on taking six weeks off in the middle of every year from here on out. <laughs> I still, and man, maybe they believe in Taysom Hill. I mean, maybe they do. But everything that they actually do tells me that they don't. Like, they, in the five games Breeze was gone, played Teddy Bridgewater. Taysom Hill took one snap at quarterback in those five games. And then even after Drew Brees committed to the Saints and he was going to come back, they still were negotiating with Bridgewater to try to bring him back as his backup slash heir apparent. And now they're talking to Jordan Love to to potentially draft him. Everything they're doing tells me they don't like Taysom Hill, and yet Sean Payton goes on Get Up and is, oh, I love his role, he's a future star. Those are two different things. Borky, they do love his role, but they hate the idea of Taysom Hill as their (laughs) starting quarterback. You know why? Because he can't Because he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Oh, man. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.